Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with River Brown and this is now episode 114. In this episode, we are going to recap the biggest storylines of week two like Zach Wilson throwing four interceptions, teams that are 2-0, Justin Fields getting the start, and the plethora of injuries that happened on the week two games. Then we are going to finish off the show with NFL Pick'em week three and a quick patreon shout out to ricky bennett e matthew jimenez sean solis sean devon mccorn rice family john pintavelli sean triplett burner hoops cat stevens ben mack p dot george garcia hikari mateen and jay aqua the list keeps growing and growing it might get to a point where we can't even name these before the show we have 17 patreons and one person subscribed via youtube membership so thank you guys so much for your support. We dropped the Patreon exclusive episode for you guys to enjoy. And we plan on doing that once or twice a month. And today, Drew is not here. He's going to be gone for two to three weeks, I believe, because he right now he goes to nursing school and he has a bunch of exams coming up. So he's going to focus on that. So we'll try to have, you know, a rotation of guests. We're thinking of bringing Jack on for a couple episodes, but he's been busy as well. JC could come back. We're going to find a third. And if it's not a third, it's just going to be me and Riv here talking and, you know, debating. And we might just try to find a moderator. So Riv and I can go at it and, you know, we can debate like Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith, even though Stephen A. kicked out Max. (laughs) But most of the time when we bet, we aim for the stars, shoot for the dark and hope our bet turns out correct. When you sign up with the daily stakes, that won't be the case. The Daily Stakes provides you with the same analytics used by professional sports bettors and sports books to give you the edge you need. You will have access to model projections, key stats, and confidence ratings so you can be educated with the bet you are making and feel comfortable with it. The Daily Stakes covers the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and the UFC. Another awesome feature the Daily Stakes has is that they host weekly contests that give you a chance to win an authentic sports jersey. And all you have to do is answer games that are going to be happening that current week. There are three types of memberships. The sport card membership gives you access to one league of your choosing and the features mentioned before for $14.99 a month. The all sports plan gives you access to all leagues they cover, the features mentioned before, and the ability to have a one-on-one session with the Daily Stakes team to guide you on your betting needs for $29.99 a month. And if you aren't sure about which one to choose, you can try the All Sports Trial, which is $6.99 a week and gives you all the features the All Sports Plan offers outside of the one-on-one session and the ability to enter giveaways. If you are interested in any of these packages, you can get a 30% discount code when you use the code PICKASIDE at checkout. That is P-I-C-K-A-S-I-D-E, PICKASIDE at checkout. The link to the Daily Stakes website will be in our description box down below. This is going to be a great show. We're going to talk about the week two games that happened, recapping some of those games, the storylines behind those games. And the first thing that we should talk about, there are teams that are 2-0 right now that are starting 2-0, the Raiders, the Broncos, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, the 49ers, Rams, and Cardinals. Now, all of the out of all of these teams that have started 2-0, which one is the most surprising to you? Well, I think we could both agree. It's probably going to be the Raiders and the Panthers. I'm pretty sure you're going to talk about the Raiders, so I'm going to give a little love to the Panthers. You know, I think coming into the season, you know, trading for Sam Darnold, it was a lot of things on him. You know, pe- people in New York, 
they felt like he wasn't good. You know, there was a lot of expectations with him coming to Carolina. Can he fix his career? And I think this year, you know, the Jets, it was that was an easy win for them. Nonetheless, Sam Darnold still had to go in and play at least solid. You know, he had to go in and perform, get them the W, and he did. He played good. He played better than what people expected. And then, you know, week two going up against the Saints, I'm a better. The Saints were heavy favorites in that game. They were favorites to come out that game. Especially, I don't know why. Well, based on how they beat down Green Bay, people were expecting them to come in, you know, and dominate the Panthers. They go in. Carolina goes in. Sam Darnold plays phenomenal. Not only does Sam Darnold play phenomenal, the defense has been really good for the past two weeks. And I get it, it's the Jets, but I'm really solely looking at that Saints game where they only allowed them seven points. James Winston, who was just coming off a three-plus TD week, didn't do much that week. So I, I got to give some love to Carolina because that offense, you know, it has firepower. CMC, he's back. He's playing phenomenal. DJ Moore, he's looking like that consistent receiver he's been. Robbie Anderson hasn't gotten it going yet, but him and Darnold never really had chemistry. But I'm sure he'll get it going. That defense has been their number one in sacks, their top five in interceptions. So they've been good defensively. So I, I got to give some love to Carolina because, you know, they've been playing. As much as the Jets win doesn't look good, that Saints win looks really good. I'm not surprised by Carolina in the slightest. In fact, you know, I'm surprised that their defense is this good. And even then, I'm not very surprised because with the addition of Hassan Reddick, then drafting a J.C. Horn, I thought their defense was good. Last year, they ranked 17th, and they were very young. They were awful on third down. So getting more experience and better talent was just going to make them a better defense. But they beat the Jets. (laughs) And they beat the Saints. I understand if the the Saints were, you know, betting favorites. But in reality, that week for the Saints was like hell. You know, half of their coaching staff didn't show up to the game. They had to travel to three different locations. And Marshawn Lattimore was out. Quan Alexander was out. I believe one of their offensive linemen was out. They were missing seven starters in that game. So I'm not impressed by the fact that Carolina beat a broken down Saints team and a Jets team who is starting a rookie quarterback and he, they're still trying to find their footing. And we'll talk about the Jets a little bit more later on. It has to be between the Raiders and Arizona. You know, the Raiders starting out 2-0, and beating legit teams, beating the Steelers, then beating the Ravens on week one. Those are two teams that made the playoffs last year. They Those teams are legit. Derek Carr, 282 yards, two touchdowns against the Steelers, and he leads he leads the NFL in passing yards right now. So that is very impressive to me. Then it has to be Arizona. Arizona dominated Tennessee week one, a team that made the playoffs last season. Chandler Jones went off for five sacks. Then in week two, they beat Minnesota, who I think is much improved. And even though that game was kind of controversial in how it ended, because Greg Joseph missed the chip shot field goal basically to win the game. I think the Cardinals have looked exceptional on offense. Their defensive secondary has not been as bad as I thought it would be. And the Raiders have beaten legit teams. They have beaten legit teams. The Panthers, I can't say the same. You know, the Saints week one looks legit. Yes. But missing seven starters, half of your coaching staff is gone, not having much time to practice. I just don't. I don't think the Panthers are really impressing me right now. Well, Arizona, speaking on Arizona, they were they started 2-0 last year, and they have the talent to beat both those teams they played. You know, K-1, we expected him to make a jump this year. 
bringing in that that receiving core, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, that's a good core. We expected Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt, although he hasn't gotten to go to cause havoc. And Tennessee, that win was impressive because of the blowout, obviously. You know, we didn't we everybody didn't expect that game to be a blowout. Minnesota, we kind of expected it to go it could go either way. But Oakland, you know, I, you're right about Oakland. They played two playoff Las caliber. Vegas. Thank you. Las Vegas. They played two playoff caliber teams. Some people view Baltimore as possibly a championship team. I don't, but some people do view them at they played two teams that are one of the best in their conference and they beat both teams. But you know, you you barked on the injuries to New Orleans, but you didn't speak on the in- injuries that Pittsburgh had. Why didn't you speak do that? Speak on it. Speak on it. Why didn't you do that? No, Big Ben was missing three-fourths of his defense. The whole defense barely played. T.J. Watt, their main guy, didn't even play. And even still, Big Ben, he didn't look great, He but he was all right for the most part. But their defense did not play that game. So why didn't you speak on that? I mean, speak on the players that didn't play. Minko was there. T.J. Watt wasn't there. I, I don't know He's every. A game I, don't, I don't know every, but their injury report was very long. It was very long, and they missed a lot of key contributors. The one guy I can mainly remember, of course, because well, T.J. Watt is a huge loss, of course. But even so, even if you say that, the Raiders beating the Ravens is more impressive than anything Carolina has done. And I don't want to knock Carolina because I think they are they are a good young team and. I do like Sam Donald. I hope he does succeed in Carolina. <laughs> Even though I think he's not that great of a quarterback, you know, I hope he does succeed in Carolina. But I just think the Raiders have been far more surprising. And that out of the, these other teams, you know, the Broncos, they beat the Giants and Jaguars. Is that very surprising? I don't think it is. The Buccaneers beating the Cowboys and Falcons. The Niners beating the Lions and Eagles. The Rams, the Bears and Colts. Like those teams, I expect for them to be 2-0. It's really about, for me, it's really about the Raiders and Cardinals. And I think if we're really picking one team, I think the Raiders have been the the surprise team of the NFL. Now, can they keep it up is a real question because I think Carolina can keep it up. Carolina has a fairly easy schedule moving forward. I mean, they face the Texans tomorrow on Thursday night football. And the Texans, we know they're not that great of a team. So that's probably 3-0 for Carolina right there. Their schedule isn't that hard, so they could get off to a real good and comfortable start in the NFC. And on to the next topic, there were a lot of injuries in week two. I mean, Brandon Ingram, Eagles, Tories Achilles. Brandon Graham? Brandon Graham, yeah. I said Brandon Ingram. <laughs> yeah. Brandon Graham, Tories Achilles. Jarvis Landry, MCL injury. He's on IR. Josie Jewell, linebacker for the, for the uh, Broncos. Shoulder injury out for the year. Bradley Chubb is out eight to ten weeks. Tua has broken ribs. We're not sure when he's going to come back. Andy Dalton, bone bruise. Now Fields is going to start. Carson Wentz, injuries to both of his ankles. He's questionable for Sunday. And Tyrod Taylor has a hamstring injury. Big Ben's hurt too. He's not going to play tomorrow night. And Big Ben is injured, but they're saying he's going to play. You know, even with that injury. So. Which which one of these injuries do you think means the most to their team and what they're trying to accomplish this season? Uh, it's you know it's tough because Bradley Chubb is a very important injury because of the fact that he's so key he's so key for their Denver's development and their defense and because he's so young and they're waiting for him to take that superstar leap. You know Bradley Chubb is one of those guys that they were waiting for 
them young guys to make that leap. But I think, you know, with them having the depth, I think they'll be okay with missing Bradley Chubb for a few weeks. But I think it got to be the QBs, Wentz and Tua, both teams who are planning to make the – wants to make the playoffs. And I, and I thought even when I was watching the Colts-Rams game, I thought, you know, the Colts was on a – it was on their way. They could possibly win that game. They was definitely on a run. You know, Carson Wentz, he was starting to look good, feel more comfortable. Pittman Jr. had the breakout game we wanted. Then he gets hurt. And I think that game he was already playing with a sprained ankle on the left one. Or I don't know which one it was, but he was already playing with the other sprained ankle. And then he got another one. And then, of course, Eason comes in, throws the pick, game over. But I think Wentz was huge. It's going to be huge because they got tight ends this week. And that's a rivalry game. And this division is still wide open for either team. So I think that's huge. And, of course, for Miami, Tua, you saw when Tua got out the game. It looked bad. You know, he he obviously has gained some some good continuity with that offensive group, him and Waddle have a little bit of chemistry. That team is starting to pick the pieces and get it together. Tua goes down. They start to, they look bad. Jacoby Brissett, he looked lost. I still think Jacoby Brissett is solid. You know, he's an okay backup, but Tua is needed for them to make that playoff push. And that division is tough. New England's in there and Buffalo's in there. So that's going to be a tough division. Tua right now ranks as one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, which is a low sample size because versus the Patriots and the Bills, one for four, then, you know, he got injured. But he has ranked as one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. And Jacoby Brissett came in and looked worse. <laughs> and I'm not even high on Tua, but Jacoby Brissett came in and looked far worse. He does not look like the quarterback that I saw in Indianapolis. And granted, he was average in Indianapolis, but at least he was average. He looks bad right now. I think it has to be Carson Wentz or Jarvis Landry, these two injuries, I say Jarvis Lynch because I think the leadership that he provides to the Browns is huge, and he is Baker's number one target. And when when Odell is there with Baker, who you know Odell hasn't played yet because he's still recovering from an injury, Baker's quarterback reading goes significantly down. Well, Odell is expected to play this week. Well, that's good. They're going to have him back. But Baker and Odell, they haven't quite clicked yet. Jarvis Landry, he's been that reliable target for Baker. And when Baker is forced to make plays and force the issue, he just is not a good quarterback. So I think that means a lot because it could bring down the Browns' office significantly. But even I don't think it would it would do it too much because I think the running game is still elite. They're, they're the best running football team in the NFL, I can argue it. So I'm not too worried about that. But it has to be this Carson Wentz injury. Because at least the Dolphins have Jacoby Brissett, who, even though I don't think he's very good anymore, he's still okay. Like, he's like, he's a serviceable backup. The Colts have Jacob Eason. I mean, the Colts had a chance to win the game, and Jacob Eason throws a pick. Jacob Eason is not ready to play. And Sam Ellinger, I don't think, has an, an NFL arm, and he's a rookie. It's a tough spot to put him in. So, because of that, I think it's this Carson Wentz injury, and you're right, you know. Carson Wentz, because the Colts have started 0-2, fans and people in the media have talked about Wentz and said that, oh, look, you know, he's not doing anything for the Colts. But listen, week two versus the Rams, he showed a lot of fight. He had some blunders like the uh, like the pass that got intercepted by a yeah. defensive lineman. But that was he, crazy, though. Yeah, but he showed a <laughs> lot of heart, and I think Carson Wentz played fairly well in that game. And if he would have kept playing, I think the Colts probably win that game if he's still in there. 
So I think Carson Wentz is the biggest loss of them all. But all these guys, it, it, it makes a huge impact. You know, Bradley Chubb having that great edge rusher opposite to Von Miller is huge. And he's going to be gone 8 to 10 weeks. So their pass rush is going to take a big hit. Then Brandon Graham, you know, now the Eagles are asking more out of Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett and these other young guys. So they're going to have to step up. So these are major injuries. And Tyrod Taylor, he doesn't get spoken about enough, but right now he is at the top of the NFL in terms of like QBR. You know, I'm, I'm the thing why I didn't say anything with Tyrod because I expect them to fall down to earth eventually. You know, the Texans, I expect them to do that. But at the same time, you're right. You know, all these players with all these injuries, it's tough because, like you said, Jarvis Landry, I think Cleveland has the depth to maintain that. You know, I think Schwartz can step up. The two tight ends, Hooper and Joku, they looked good week one. I think they'll be okay. Odell is coming back. And like you said, they have one of the best. They have one of the best running duos, if not the best running duo in the league in Hunt and Chubb. They have one of the best running games in the NFL. So they're going to be fine. Baker Mayfield is solid. So they're going to be good regardless. Bradley Chubb, you know, it's going to be tough because that elite rusher opposite side of Bob Miller is huge for that defense. And that defense predicates themselves on that defensive line and getting to that quarterback. But like you said, the QB, it's important. And Colts being 0-2, people, like you said, people love to jump on them. But they're two, look at the two teams they played. You know what I'm saying? And even last week against the Rams, that was a fight. It, they, the game was really good. Wentz goes out. They're going to need him back. To play this week, if not this week, they're going to need it for the season if they want to win, make the playoffs. I agree with you saying that Tyrod Taylor was eventually going to come back down to earth. But the reality is, is that with Tyrod, I think the Texans are a competitive team without him. So with Davis Mills now, I don't think Davis Mills is is going to hold them afloat. Like, for example, tomorrow they face Carolina. With Tyrod Taylor, I think they could they could upset Carolina. Oh, they can give them a fight. You think so? Yeah, I think I think they can. With Davis Mills, I think it's going to be a blowout. You know, with Tyrod Taylor, I at least think he, he can keep been, them he can keep them afloat. He has been playing versus Cleveland. They were kept afloat. They were winning at one point against Cleveland with Tyrod. Then Davis Mills comes in. He plays like a rookie. You know what I'm saying? So I think Tyrod, he, he's getting slept on, man. He's he's a good quarterback. <laughs> And another quarterback that uh, shocked everybody on Sunday night is Lamar Jackson. Uh, finally beat the Kansas City Chiefs, finally got over that hump. There have been times before where he has come close, but he's never quite done it. But he has just now beat the Chiefs. Finally. And there has been a lot of talk in the offseason about um, the league figuring out Lamar Jackson. That was a, lot of, that was a hot topic in the offseason. There's talk about him not being able to come from behind and, and win games. He did that on Sunday night. So Lamar has continuously proved people wrong. Now, has he been underrated as of recently? Do you think people are underrating Lamar Jackson? Because not too long ago, people were saying Kyler Murray is better than him. And Lamar is an MVP. And I think now it's much more of a debate. But has he been underrated? Well, first, I'm taking K1. I'm sorry. He's just, he has the Lamar running ability with a Russell Wilson arm. You can't teach that. You know, I think Lamar, 
The problem with Lamar is he. The, we know the running game. We know he's going to be elite in the running game. We know he can affect the game so much with his feet. The problem with Lamar, and it's always been with Lamar, is his accuracy. Sometimes his inconsistency with his arm. And even with the Chiefs, you watch the game, you saw it in that game, his inconsistency with his arm. Sometimes he underthrows, overthrows, but he doesn't make the right reads. Yes, he won the game. And let's let's really be honest, the Chiefs fumbling that ball at the end was ridiculous. I don't even know what happened. But yes, Lamar did his thing. He finally came up clutch with his feet. I think him winning MVP, people didn't we, we appreciate Lamar. We know who Lamar is. He's a top seventy quarterback in the NFL. But I think what people are waiting for is for him to beat you with his arm. And I think he didn't necessarily he he played well, but I think for the, with the Chiefs, he really beat them with his feet, and I think that's what we're waiting for, especially based off that last playoff game. You know, in the playoffs, he has been seen being bad with his arm, even though the numbers may look differently if you watch the game and watch the tape. He hasn't looked great with his arm. I think his running is what keeps him in the race, but I think that's always going to be a narrative for him until he fixes that narrative. Lamar Jackson is not underrated, <clears throat> not in the slightest. There was a point in time where he shocked the world and he won MVP. Shocked you. And that <laughs> offense was explosive. I mean, he shocked me most definitely. But I think what's happening now with Lamar and what happened last year when he came down to earth and in the playoffs when we saw it, he proved me right about <laughs> what I said about him that he can't win games with his arm. And at times it shows up. You know, yesterday I think he won the game more with – I mean, on Sunday he won the game more with his legs than with his arms. He did throw two interceptions – had one touchdown. One of them bad. It was that fourth and one that won them the game. Him using his legs. They wasn't calling a short pass. It was Lamar, run it. You're going to get us the first down. And I applaud them for that. But 2019, his MVP season, 36 touchdowns, 3,127 yards, 1,206 rushing yards, and seven rushing TDs. So he had 43 touchdowns in total. Now in 2020, Passing yards decreased by 300 yards. He had 10 less touchdowns, three more interceptions, and one more fumble. And now this year, he's not off to a great start, you know, losing to the Raiders and throwing two picks against Kansas City. If it's if it had not been for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumble, the Chiefs probably win that game with Harrison Butker's legs. He's one of the best kickers in the NFL. Didn't Lamar fumble at the end of the Raiders game to lose that game? Yeah, he did. Carl Nassib strip sacked. Yeah. Lamar Jackson, we know he's universally recognized as a great QB. But when we cultivate our top eight quarterback list, he's the first one that's going to be gone. (laughs) There's just, there's no way around it. He's the first one that's going to be gone. Mahomes, we know, is better than Lamar. Rodgers is better. Wilson is better. Josh Allen in 2019 wasn't better, but now in 2020, we think we recognize Josh Allen as a better quarterback than Lamar. Tom Brady, that's five right there. You just said it. You'd rather have Kyler Murray. That's six. What about these young quarterbacks that are coming in? What about Herbert. what about Justin Herbert? This is what I'm saying. Justin Herbert, whose spot is he going to take on the top eight? It's either going to be Lamar Jackson or a Dak Prescott. And then would you take Dak Prescott or Lamar Jackson? Uh, and now that that gets tricky. Yeah, that yeah. gets tricky. But 
it really depends on what you want. I, I think a lot of people would take Dak Prescott depends on the o. over Lamar Jackson. It depends on the O. You know, it depends on the system. It depends on the team. I think, obviously, in a Dallas system, you wouldn't want Lamar in that system. You want Dak throwing the ball because of C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper. And people love to say this thing, you know, oh, the Ravens don't have receivers, right? That's That's the narrative. But... I feel like a lot of the times when he's throwing the ball has nothing to do with his receivers. It's him being inaccurate. I think an elite receiver would be unhappy in Baltimore because of the fact that they run the ball so much and their quarterback can't hit them in the spots they want to. That's a good point, but I I dispute it because I think Lamar with an elite receiver, I think it it would look a bit different. I'm going to give him that benefit of the doubt. But... Like I'm saying, when we think about Lamar Jackson, we talk about top quarterbacks in the league. Lamar Jackson is the first one that's going to be off of those lists. Would you take Stafford over him right now? No. No? Absolutely not. What about, I'm trying to think, QBs? Ryan Tannehill? No, I don't think you'd take Ryan. Would you take Derek Carr over Lamar Jackson? No. Nah. I feel like Derek Carr's in that Stafford talk. That's Stafford's here. No, he is too. That that's what I'm saying. Lamar Jackson, I think is. I un- think he's above them. He's undisputedly a top, top 10, ten quarterback, yeah. and I, I would even say top eight quarterback in the NFL. But as these younger quarterbacks come in, and Lamar Jackson, his play style starts to wear on him a little bit more. Now we're going to see him really slip because I think there is a correlation between these running quarterbacks and career trajectory. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with Cam Newton. Cam Newton, 2015 was on top of the world. Lamar Jackson, 2019, was on top of the world, MVP. Cam Newton, it only took him about three years after 2015 to totally drop off and us not recognize him as a great quarterback anymore. A lot of that was due to injuries. I think you got to be specific. Athletic QBs with an inaccurate arm because Russell Wilson is still in the game doing what he does because he can run the ball, but he's also can beat you with his arm. But this is to my point. This is what I'm going to say. 2015 Cam MVP was on top of the world. It wasn't too long. It wasn't too far until he dropped off. So 2015 Cam MVP around 2018, 2019, around 2018, 2019, he dropped off significantly. And now he's not even on a team. That took what? Three to four years. So my prediction is that 2019 Lamar Jackson MVP, I think by the year 2023, <laughs> Lamar Jackson won't be a top 15 quarterback anymore. Oh, so you still think he'll be on a roster? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. But I just don't I, I don't think he's going to be a top 15 quarterback. And Baltimore thus far has shown a hesitancy to pay Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. They have not They have not openly said, you know, you can get everything. They have not done that yet. You know, Josh Allen got the bag. He's yeah. not an MVP, but he got the bag. So I do think there are some a little bit a, a little bit of doubt with Lamar Jackson's play style because he does play physical and that can wear on you faster than other play styles. And his arm is still in question at yep. times. Even though he does have great moments, it still is in question. So even though he beat Kansas City, I'm not sold on Lamar Jackson just yet. Me either. You know, I I think everybody is thinking that he's going to prove everybody wrong and win these Super Bowls. And, you know, it was a big step for him last year to to win a playoff game against Tennessee. But even in that game, I felt like Tennessee put, you know, they they left their foot off the gas. Ryan Tannehill was playing great, passing the ball, 
they try to force feed Derrick Henry. So I think they put their they put their foot off the gas a little bit. But I do think Lamar Jackson has a lot to prove, and I'm I'm not sold on where I see his career going. You know, I, he could prove me wrong. He's done it before. I mean, you know, I said I said uh, Darnold was better than him. You know, did you really? Yeah, I mean, when he was when he was on oh, the Jets, I did say it, but <laughs> but you never know. I mean, right now, don't do it. Right now, no, <laughs> I, I'm being honest. So, twenty eight in twenty nineteen, Josh Allen was okay. Mm-hmm. Lamar was MVP. We all said Lamar was better than Josh Allen. Lamar was the best quarterback in the twenty eighteen class, undisputedly. Now it's between Josh Allen and Lamar, and I would take Josh Allen. Now that Sam Darnold is in Carolina. It's looking good for him. If he plays this good, I don't think we're too far away from a conversation of would you rather take Sam Darnold or Lamar Jackson? Quite honestly. I'll tell you. You know, because 2012 quarterback class, Mm -hmm. Andrew Luck goes one. Second is RG3. Ryan Tannehill was in that draft class. Wow. It wasn't until... Five to six years later until we said, you know what? Ryan Tannehill became the best out of all of them. Not over Andrew Luck because, you know, Luck retired, but nobody thought he was going to be better than RG3. Kirk Cousins was in that draft class as well. He's also better than RG3. And, you know, so nobody thought that, and it happened. So I'm just saying we we might not be too far away from saying Sam Darnold. We'd rather have him over Lamar Jackson. It could happen a couple of years from now. That's crazy. Hot take. The Titans beat the Seahawks in a in a thrilling overtime game. And Derrick Henry went off again. I'm mean, Derrick Henry. It seems like he does this almost all the time. It, it's routine for him. Yep. I mean, since he's gone to the NFL, he's gotten so much better every single season. In 2018, had a thousand rushing yards. In 2019, had a thousand five hundred rushing yards. And then in 2020, he has two thousand rushing yards, and he has upped his touchdown total each and every season. And versus Seattle, he had 35 attempts, 185 yards, three touchdowns, and 55 receiving yards. So over 200 yards in that game in total. And most of this came in the second half when Tennessee made that comeback to beat Seattle. Do you think Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL? Yeah, undoubtedly. I think... I, and you know what's funny? I was I actually my boy gambled on that game, and he gambled on Derrick Henry to get two TDs. In the first half, Derrick Henry was playing like shit, man. He was just he had like forty yards. He had no touchdowns. They was getting smoked. And then I check later, and I'm just like, oh wow, one eighty six, three TDs. Like he's just bugged in the second half. I think what he's been doing the last three years is Adrian Peterson, like just dominating the NFL with his legs, street running through defenses. No matter who's his offensive line, no matter who's he playing against, he's just doing dominant things, you know. And the way he's running through people, running over, it's just a dominant. Like, he's just giving me Adrian Peterson vibes back in the day. I think you can argue CMC because of his, you know, his pass catching ability. I think some people could argue Chubb because they're kind of similar in that style. But over the last three years, the numbers, the statistics – and the, the fact that he's winning all all in that, I think Derrick Henry is easily the number one running back right now. There are so many great running backs. Dalvin Cook, <clears throat> CMC, Nick Chubb. I mean, Nick Chubb is averaging damn near seven yards per carry. 
he's on another another level. But his offensive line is elite. amazing. It's elite. It's way better than Tennessee's. I don't think I've ever seen a running back like Derrick Henry. You mentioned Adrian Peterson, but I, I don't think AP ever had a stretch as dominant as what I'm seeing from Henry right now. I think so either. You know, because Peterson had the 2,000 yards after tearing his ACL, I believe. Amazing comeback season. But he never had a year where he went 1,500 yards rushing, then 2,000 the very next year. Yep. And AP never had the playoff performances that Derrick Henry is having or has had as of right now. Like, Derrick Henry has put the Titans on his back to win two playoff games. I mean, that's something that I, I didn't see AP do. I mean, I think when we talk about running backs in the last decade, Derrick Henry, to me, stands out as the best. And you you said it. CMC could be in a conversation because of his versatility, and I wouldn't disagree with that. But at the same time, I just don't think CMC is the runner that Derrick Henry is. And even though Christian McCaffrey is as good as a, as a route runner as any slot receiver in the NFL, I do think Derrick Henry can pass catch if Tennessee allowed him to do more of it. I mean, right now he's on pace to break his receiving yards from last year in the next two games. He's on pace to break that. So this year we could see Derrick Henry be much more of a pass catcher so I don't think there's running back close to Derrick Henry. I just haven't seen a guy like this. Dalvin Cook, he's elusive. He's fast as hell. But Derrick Henry is fast as hell, and he's just a tank. He's a grown man. He's just a tank. And CMC, you know, versatility, I get it. Nick Chubb, he is like a a mini version of Derrick Henry. You know, I think he he runs just as hard, but he's just not as big and strong. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's undoubtedly Derrick Henry. He's the best running back in the NFL. I don't think there's any debate about it because what this guy's doing right now is otherworldly. How long do you think he's the last with, with this ability, though? How old is he right now? 26, 27? Yeah, he's around there. So he got about, what, the, the running back clock is 30? You think, you think he can continue on this trend until he's about 30, 31? Because he's putting up ridiculous numbers. I think he can as long as he doesn't mess himself over, you know, because, and I mean that by saying, you know, Le'Veon Bell Mm -hmm. was on pace to be one of the best running backs we've ever seen. Yep. But because he sat out, because he went to the Jets, which was a bad situation for him, he messed his career up. He messed that trajectory up. If Le'Veon Bell had stayed in Pittsburgh, we're talking about him completely different. Derrick Henry, as long as he stays in Tennessee, I think will he will continue to do what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee has to continue to build up that offensive line because I think as Henry gets older, he is going to diminish because he's not going to be as fast. So because of that, you need to have that great offensive line behind him or in front of him. But I think Derrick Henry at 30 is going to look like Brandon Jacobs. Uh-huh. And I think Brandon Jacobs, even past 30, was a pretty damn good running back. So I think he'll look similarly to Brandon Jacobs at 30. And where do you see him going down into the to the hole of running backs? Like, where do you see his ranking? He's a top five running back of all time. The, this fast? I think he is. This stretch that he's going on, I think he's a top five. I mean, I could think of Jim Brown. Jim Brown 
but even Jim Brown, like the accomplishments are there. But in terms of just looking at both of them as human, you just see Derrick Henry. He just looks like a completely different other beast. Like he just oh, looks, <sighs> he just oh, looks so yeah. much better. But you know who else? Who could you put in front of him? You know, LT. You, I think you got to put Ladamian Thomason. I think is definitely Walter up Payne. there. Walter Payton, Jim Sanders, Brown, Barry Sanders. So who would be that fifth? I thought it would be. Remember we were talking about the other day when I said AP was five, and then you was like, "I'm missing somebody." But I can't. I can't put my name on it. I mean, for me, it would have been. It was AP. Jim Brown. Oh, it was Jim Brown. Yeah. I mean, I guess because the. Henry probably be five. I think those four guys are undisputedly right there. I mean, it is between AP and Derrick Henry if they were to, you know, fight for that spot. Yeah. Wait, what about um what's the name from Dallas? I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I, yeah. what about him? What's his name? I forgot his damn name. He played on the Arizona Cardinals like his final years of the NFL. Is it Emmett? Emmett Smith. There yeah. we go. Is no, he... yeah, I think Emmett Smith probably is over Derrick Henry. Yeah, too. all right, there it is. I mean, uh, definitely he would go down as a top ten running back of all time. No, he, I think he's already that. Like he's already six or seven. You could probably put AP, maybe, but if not AP, those are the five guys, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing what he's doing right now. So, talking about this game that they have against the Colts, you think they win that game? I think if Wentz doesn't play, yeah, I think because you looked at Easton, he looked. Like he just looked scared to play football. I think the Colts defense hasn't they were starting to figure it out too. You know, everything started to click late for them. But if Wentz doesn't play, you know, it's gonna be tough. I mean, Tennessee, that offense started to click too in week two. You know, uh Julio and Tannehill started to connect. AJ Brown's still trying to figure it out. But Derrick Henry started to click. So it's it's tough. But I I say if Wentz plays, I'm gonna keep riding this Colts wave until they get a W. Yeah, I'm going with Tennessee, too. I think same thing, same reasoning. If Carson Wentz doesn't play, I don't see them winning. If Wentz plays, I think they'll win because they they desperately need a win right now. They're desperate right now. But Jacob Eason, out of college, I wasn't high on him. For real? Yeah, I wasn't high on him because he he has a really good arm, Mm -hmm. but no touch, accuracies all over the place. What college did he go to? He went to Washington. He went to Washington, but before that, he was at Georgia. So he transferred. He transferred from Georgia to Washington because he got beat out by Jake Fromm. So did Fields. Yeah. Wow. So he beat both of those guys out. Yeah. You know, and he's much more physically limit limited than both of them, but he did beat them out. Mm. My surprise team coming into the year, this season, was the Minnesota Vikings. I had I had a few. I had the Vikings, the Eagles were my for my late pick. Yep. The Vikings right now are 0-2. They're off to an 0-2 start. The Lions are 0-2. The Bears are 0-2. No, they're 1-1. The Bears, you're right. They beat the Bengals. The Bears are 1-1, and the Packers are 1-1 as well. Now, I'm not discouraged about these losses. And I think if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan watching this, you shouldn't be worried about this 0-2 start because both losses have been on last second plays. I mean, week one against the Bengals, McPherson hitting that game winning field goal on basically the only reason why that field goal even happened was because they called the fumble on Dalvin Cook. And what my eyes told me about that replay was that it was not a fumble. I did not think it was a fumble, but they called it a fumble anyway. Bengals win the game off a last last second field goal. They win. Then week two, 
They face Arizona now. I was surprised because I thought this game, after what I saw Arizona do to Tennessee, I thought this game was going to look much worse. But the Vikings offensive line held up. They played pretty good. They had a chance to win the game. Greg Joseph, who had hit two 50-yard field goals in that game, has the chance to hit the game-winning field goal. 34-yard kick, and he misses. So the Vikings have lost both of their games off of last-second field goals. One of them, the opposing team kicked it and made it, and then the second one, their own kicker, missed it and lost the game. But I think all signs point to the Vikings resurging past these blunders. I'm glad you said that because let me ask you a question. They got Seattle. That's a win. And they got Cleveland week four. I'm not sure they can go on four, though. Jarvis Landry? Well, that's week four. There is a chance this team can go all win four. Jarvis Landry's on IR. Mm. I don't think he's going to be there for me. So are you scared of these games right now? Because they're now they're, they're just like Indianapolis. They're desperate. And they they're, need no doubt. Be, look, <clears throat> they're going to beat Seattle. Okay. They're going to beat Seattle. And Dalvin Cook is playing too. And last year, they almost beat Seattle. Mm-hmm. And Dalvin Cook didn't play. Dalvin Cook is going to be the difference. They're going to win that game. Week four. Nobody is scared of Cleveland and Baker Mayfield. Uh, let's just be, let's just be honest. Kevin Stefanski is a hell of a coach. The Browns were supposed to have a good defense, but they're not a good defense. They rank their bottom 20 pass defense. They're like the 11th run defense. And overall, they, they're a bottom 20 defense in terms of points given up. Mm-hmm. So thus far, they are, they are not a good defense. These free agent moves have not paid off for them. I think they win those next two games, and they are 2-2. Two and two. Then after that, I think one of those games Detroit. is it, Detroit. That's three and two. And then Carolina. They beat Carolina too. I think the Carolina the Panthers. I think the Panthers are good, but I don't. I, I think as of right now, they haven't faced a real. After test. that bye, they see Dallas, Baltimore, Chargers. Dallas is a win. That's a tough. Th- and then Green Bay. They get the Green Bay. They'll still with San Fran. Is that? That's a tough. I, I'm just saying. I'm game, not losing. Bro. I'm not losing faith in in Minnesota and. Week one, 11 penalties for 100-plus yards in the first half. They still almost won. Second half, they came alive. Their offense started to click. And there's a lot of bright spots on this 0-2 team. First of all, K.J. Osborne, their third wide receiver, is lights out. I mean, he, he it feels like he's the guy Kirk Cousins goes to in late-game situations. He has been lightning in the bottle for them. He's been amazing. Their defensive line has been good. Daniel Hunter had three sacks last game. Nick Vigil, pick six last game. Their linebacking core has been good as well. But the down spots, their defense ranks 27th in the league. I mean, Mike Zimmer is supposed to be a defensive head coach, and they're, they've ranked 27th so far. Last year, they ranked 29th. And they made all these additions, and it's it's not showing up. Mike Zimmer's clock management also was a downside. And... If there's one thing that's going to cost the Vikings this year is Mike Zimmer's stubbornness and inability to take accountability. Each post-game press conference, he's out there not taking a blame for himself. He's not, you know, taking a blame for his clock management skills. He's always deflecting. He's not responsible for his actions, and I think Minnesota Vikings fans are tired of it right now. 
it, it's really, you know, I think the Vikings will come back and, and they'll be in that playoff race. And I think they will make the playoffs, even when the division still is still early in the season. Yep. But I will say this, if you're a Vikings fan listening, it's really about what you want, right? Because if the Vikings go on a run and they, and, and they make the playoffs, Mike Zimmer is staying. There's no way he gets fired after making the playoffs. But if the Vikings have another down year, like it looks like it's trending that way right now, and Mike Zimmer's defense underperforms again, he's getting fired. There's no doubt that this is his last year in Minnesota. He might get fired midseason at this point. So it's really about if you're a Vikings fan, is it time Mike Zimmer goes or do you want to win and Mike Zimmer potentially stays as head coach next year? That's really, you know, what it what it comes down to now. I mean, I wouldn't be I'm not discouraged because looking at the schedule, you know, this is a tough schedule. You got Pittsburgh on here. You got the Rams on here. Green Bay twice. Dallas. You've seen Arizona already, Seattle, Cleveland, like I said. I'm not discouraged, though, because Minnesota has the team to beat all these teams. You know, they are from top to bottom, a really solid roster. With that Cleveland game, though, it's just it was it was just like a completely different switch on that offense. First half, they looked great, like you said. And then the second half, the offense scored seven points. Cincinnati. No, no. I'm talking about Arizona. Oh, you said Cleveland. Sorry, pardon me. I'm talking about Arizona. Um. They didn't, I said Arizona, Minnesota, pardon me. I'm talking about Minnesota. There we go. They, that offense completely in the first half looked great, and then in the second half kind of didn't click the way it did. Arizona made some great adjustments at halftime. But like you said, you know, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, K.J. Osborne starting to get it going, Adam Thielen, he's the perfect third receiver for those two guys because those two guys are going to get all the attention and Osborne's going to get open. And then that defense, it has some names. Like you said, Daniel Hunter, Eric Kendricks is out there. Harris Smith has some names. It just hasn't played to that ability yet. But I'm not discouraged because this team is strong. This team is healthy. And this team has a lot of talent. And like you said, Seattle's coming up. I think they will beat Seattle. I think this is a bad matchup for Seattle. I think Minnesota, if, like you said, if Mike Zimmers can stop being stubborn, if they can just click on defense like they should, then I think they can beat Seattle handily, honestly. I mean, it's really, it's, right now, Minnesota's problem is a secondary. Which is crazy because they signed Peterson. He looks terrible. They signed Bashar Breeland and Mackenzie Alexander as well. I thought it would be much better. But Rondale Moore has over 100 yards on you, a rookie. I mean, I, mean, I, I think he's good, but... <laughs> he's 5'7". <five>, <laughs> I think he's good, but for him to have 100 yards on your defense, I mean, there's a problem there in itself. The defensive line is fine. Daniil Hunter played great last game. The game before that, Michael Pierce had two sacks. You still have Dalvin Tomlinson. And even on the other side, DJ Wenham is not too bad. Eric Hendricks, Nick Vigil, they played fantastic. That front seven is good. It's really about that back end, and they have to hold up. And against Seattle, Tyler Lockett, DK, it's a big task, but those are really their only two guys. Lockett has looked amazing. Yeah, Lockett has been on fire. So but those are really their only two guys. If you can stop them, if you can minimize even Lockett, I think they'll be fine because Gerald Everett is not much of a threat. And their third receiver, you know, Freddie Swain, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you're not really worried about that. So they have to hone in on those guys and try to stop them. But I do think they'll beat Seattle this weekend and they will be one and two and then go on this run. I think the problem with... The matchup with Seattle is the fact that, 
Lockett, like you said, has been amazing, but Patrick Peterson doesn't seem to know how to guard receivers anymore. And this is going to be a matchup problem on the right and left side because you have DK, who is a physical, strong receiver that can go over the top, and then you have Tyler Lockett, who could virtually do anything on that on that field. This front seven has to have a game this week because I think that secondary could haunt them and Russell Wilson could completely shatter and destroy that secondary. Yeah, it, it could happen. <clears throat> but I think Kirk Cousins can do the same. Yep. You know, Kirk Cousins has not thrown a pick this season. Yeah. You was, know, everybody loves to blame Kirk Cousins for everything, but he's thrown five touchdowns, zero picks this season. He's even on a better place pace to play than he played last season, and he was amazing last season. So Kirk Cousins has been good. I think the Vikings will click, but this is a wait and see. And obviously, after Sunday, we'll talk about what happened and we'll yeah. talk about whether the Vikings did, in fact, go <laughs> 1 and 2 or they are now 0 and 3, which I think at 0 and 3, now there is some cause yeah. to be really concerned, but not right now. You, just, you know the narrative. Right. When a quarterback doesn't win, even if it's their fault or not, they're going to get the blame. It always yeah. happens. There's no doubt about that. Next game I want to talk about is the LA Chargers and the Dallas Cowboys. Now, after this game finished, I was watching parts of this game, but you know, on Sunday I was fairly busy because it was my brother's birthday. We went out hey, to eat at that birthday. time. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. How old is he now? Uh, he's twenty five. Oh, tough. yeah, he's twenty five. Three years older than me. So, you know, I was uh, I went to you know go out to eat with my brother and my fam, so I didn't get to see this game. But looking at what everybody was saying on Twitter was that the referees called the Chargers this game. Then I went back and I saw the game, and three plays stood out. Two touchdowns were called back on the Chargers. One of them was a holding call. The other one was like a false alignment call, an illegal motion. And another play that stood out was Micah Parsons' sack on Justin Herbert. Herbert threw it away, but they called a sack on on Micah, basically. And then that moved the Chargers from being inside the 10-yard line to now being at like the 20. And now it's impossible to, you know, even make a play on that. So the referees definitely played a part, but I think Tony Pollard in this game was amazing. And right now, he's PFF has him graded as the best running back in the NFL. Really? He, he has the highest grade in the NFL, Tony Pollard. Wow. That's, and, I don't like PFF. I don't like that. <laughs> Tony Pollard is rated the best running back? I mean, he's been really efficient in his carries. Okay. And I, I honestly think he looks better than Zeke when he's out there. Yeah. That's just me. But, you know... Tony Pollard was amazing. Dak Prescott didn't play his his best game. But the Chargers, I think, you know, they played very well. The defense was good. Asante Samuel Jr. taken from his father. And this guy is a ball hawk already. He's very good. Philly prod. And Justin Herbert didn't play his best game. He had one touchdown, two interceptions. So he didn't play his best game. But Mike Williams, he's finally getting those targets. And two games in, he has seven-plus receptions in each of them. And he's been a focal point in their offense. And that's what Joe Lombardi said he was going to be. So instead of talking about this Dallas game, though, I want to talk about this matchup they have this Sunday because they're facing the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. Both teams are 1-1. One one. You got the Raiders and the, and the Broncos in your division. They're both 2-0. So the winner of this game is still probably going to be third in the, in the division. But the loser is going to be in last place. And this division does look tough. I'll, you know, the Raiders have an easy schedule going forward. The Chiefs have it easy. The Broncos, so-so. But the Chargers schedule going forward is difficult. So 
Who do you think wins this Sunday? It's it's at Arrowhead. I'm gonna t- I gotta go with the Chiefs. You know, I think right now, same, the Chargers haven't looked like that offensive firepower that I thought they looked like. Granted, they play Washington the first week. That's a tough defense. But Dallas's defense, you know, I thought this would be a shootout. I thought Dak and you know Herbert would impose their will and have a shootout. Maybe I was gonna see twenty plus thirty points this game. But I, it was a low-scoring game, and, and you know, Chargers fans are going to blame the game on the turnovers and the penalties. They had eight penalties in the second half, 12 for the game. Herbert threw some bad interceptions. You know, I just, against the Chiefs, you can't make too many mistakes, you know. And you have to go out and you have to score against the Chiefs. And I think the Chargers haven't really been in a position where they look like their offense is on fire. Are they going to go out there and guns blazing? So I think I got Mahomes and the Chiefs. I think right now, the way they lost last week, they're upset. And they're going to come back with a vengeance. And I think they're going to go on a tear. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs. The Chiefs can be upset all they want. But the reality is that through two weeks against Cleveland and then against Baltimore, their defense has been a problem. Yep, Their defense has not been good. And, and I think Dallas, I agree. I expect the Chargers to score much more. But moving Micah... To defensive end, I think changed a lot of that because Brian Bulaga couldn't hold up. I mean, Micah was rated as the best edge rusher last week, according to PFF. Yep. Brian Bulaga, two weeks in a row, he's he's getting dominated in his matchup. And Trayvon Diggs, a guy who is honestly turning into a stout corner. I mean, he has he's a ball hawk. He he's very good. So I wasn't very surprised because, you know, whenever you have great edge rushers, it's going to kind of throw off the offense a little bit. But I have a feeling that the Chargers are going to upset the Chiefs. I just have a feeling, and I think this is, they have to. Yep. Because the Chargers' schedule going forward is insanely tough. Just to read off their schedule, the Chargers' schedule, after this game against the Chiefs, they face the Raiders. Okay. Then the Browns, then the Ravens, then the Patriots, then the Eagles. I don't think any of those games are are push over games, so they need this win mm-hmm. badly. And the Chiefs, I think their defense, and at least the Chiefs as a team and whole as a whole, they've shown they have a weakness. You know, they don't have the corners to defend these elite receivers. So how is Keenan Allen going to fare against a? Jerry Sneed or Mike Williams gonna how good is he gonna be? I think they're gonna be great. Jared Cook Jr. has looked good as well. Then Austin Eckler out of the backfield. I think they're gonna put up a lot of points on the Chiefs. And last year, they almost beat them. You know, Justin Herbert gets the start last minute, last second, basically, and puts on a show and almost beats the Chiefs. I think the Chargers get the upset this game. And I do think they'll still split. Yep. But I just think right now the Chargers are more desperate for a win because the, the Chiefs' rec, the Chiefs schedule after this game is pretty much a cakewalk. But I think the Chargers, it's not. So they need to win this game to build some momentum going forward. Do you trust that secondary against Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, this young secondary, Asante Samuel Jr., Derwin James is back, so that's good for them, and Chris Harris Jr.? Do you trust them? I, I do trust them. You know, I, I think – their defense has not been the problem. They did pretty good against CD. You know, they did pretty good against Dallas. Just a different beast, though. 
It is. It is. There's no doubt. But I think you can take a you can take a page out of the Ravens playbook yep. and how they guarded Tyreek Hill. And the Chargers, I just really believe in Brandon Staley as a coach. And I think thus far he's shown his ability to be a, a good defensive play caller. Yep. And I don't think that's going to be their problem. Their problem is going to be putting up points. And I don't think that's a problem. You know, against mm-hmm. the Chiefs defense, I don't think it's a problem. I think, you know, it, it's funny that you said that because edges cause a concern and Trayvon Diggs has looked good. Michael Parsons, you know, he's looked good. I just, with the Chiefs, you know, they still got Chris Jones, who's who can still dominate that line. He can still, you know, make a mark on the game. Tyran Matthew, he's still out there. He, I know that, that secondary hasn't looked good, but it has potential to get it clicking eventually. So I, I just, you know, the Chiefs defense is still a question mark, but at the same time, they can get it clicking at any moment. So it, it, it's going to be tough for the Chargers, but I feel like this game is going to be a shootout. I think this is the game where Justin Herbert and his squad figures it out and, you know, Mahomes go do what they do. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers win, but I got Mahomes. This division is shaping out in a way that I thought it wouldn't shape out. Yep. You know, the Raiders are 2-0. They could come back down to earth. We're not sure yet. The Broncos are 2-0. I mean, the Chiefs and the Chargers right now are on the outside looking in. And the Chiefs... Because they've been to two straight Super Bowls, I trust in them to figure it out and eventually get back on top. But the Chargers, they have to prove that. Yep. And I think this is a huge test for them this Sunday. We'll see if they win. You know, I, I think it's going to be a great game. But I, I do think the Chargers will pull away with the win and the and get the upset. Now, I was upset <laughs> Sunday because... Talk about it because you went to the game, right? Yeah, talk about that experience. How did that go? I went to the Jets game. I was a little, I was running late, mm. but I could hear the energy of the crowd from a mile away. Jets fans were excited. You know, my family we, we was excited. <laughs> so I was at the game. I went and I had great seats. I had a 200 concourse level seat. You was by yourself? No, nah, I was, I was with uh, four people. Okay. So, you know, it's like we were like in the suites. So it was pretty dope. Had good seats right in the middle. You know, had like an all 2020, all 22 view of the film. I mean, of the field, it was a great, it was a great view. And, you know, first play, I see Zach Wilson and the Jets drop back. It's a run. Okay, I've seen it before. Then on Zach Wilson's first pass attempt, I see it gets intercepted. The crowd, you know, they go silent, but there's enthusiasm still like, okay, he's a rookie. It's fine, whatever. Second pass attempt, intercepted. Mm. Now the crowd is like, We've seen this before. <laughs> after the third one, everybody just goes silent. Then after the fourth one, they start booing. I mean, nobody's even People just start leaving? They just, they were still in there? Not, a lot of people left, wow. but not that many. Like, mm-hmm. not that many left. But, yeah, it was a, it was a, uh, <laughs> a bad experience for me as a Jets fan. But to, to remove emotion aside out of, the, out of this, I think the first interception to Corey Davis a rusher wasn't Zach Wilson's face. He tr- he threw the ball to Corey because he trusted him to make that catch. I mean, he had one-on-one coverage with J.C. Jackson. An elite receiver makes that catch. That's all I'm going to say. If it's DeAndre Hopkins, of course. if it's DK, if it's Justin Jefferson even, if it's a elite. an elite receiver is going to make that catch. Tyreek Hill makes that catch. A-Rob. Julio. So... If it's an elite receiver, he makes that catch. But he throws it to Corey Davis. It gets tipped. You know, they bat it, and then the Patriots intercept it. Whatever. 
Second interception, Zach Wilson's rolling out, throws it to Corey Davis again. It, it was a little bit high, but Corey Davis could still catch it. It wasn't like he had to extend too far mm-hmm. for the ball. He doesn't catch it. It's an interception. That's two on Zach Wilson. Now we get into the interceptions that I thought were bad. The third one was Elijah Moore is on a corner route, basically, and J.C. Jackson doesn't even have to do too much. Zach is just late on the throw, and J.C. Jackson is in perfect position to intercept it. He does. And then the fourth one, Zach rolls out left and just throws it up to no man's lane, and it, and it gets intercepted. But he also made some big-time throws, like this one throw to Braxton Berrios on the left side of the field on the sideline. That was a big-time throw. He has some big-time throws in this game, and I'm not worried. You know, notable quarterbacks with four interception games, Matthew Stafford, Troy Aikman as rookies, Payne Manning, Carson Palmer, Andrew Luck, all had multiple three-interception games in their rookie season. Trevor Lawrence already has five interceptions, and he was marketed as a generational quarterback prospect. And the Jaguars' offensive line, pass blocking, has been top five. Run blocking has been top ten. Their offensive line has been very good this season. He has all the time to pass. He's just not getting it done. And, you know, Justin Fields came in, threw an interception, and he also fumbled, but he recovered his own fumble. So does it make me feel better that these other rookie quarterbacks are also struggling? Absolutely. And and Wilson's PFF grade is above Lawrence's and Justin Fields. So even with this horrible performance, it's still above their PFF grade. And I forgot to mention this too. Ryan Tannehill, his very first career start, threw zero touchdowns and had three interceptions. So it's just two games into Zach Wilson's career. I'm not worried about this performance. I think... People are overreacting to it because it is Zach Wilson, and it's been it's popular to hate on him and slander him. I don't know for what reason. I don't know why, but you know, it seems like in this quarterback class, Justin Fields is the fan favorite. Trey Lance is like neutral. Lawrence is neutral because we know what Lawrence is, right? Or at least we think we know like what a he childhood is. Childhood lover. And Zach Wilson and Mac Jones are like the villains of this quarterback class. Everybody thought Mac Jones was bad, and now he looks like the best quarterback in this class so far. And Zach Wilson, anytime he does something bad, people are ready to pounce on you know, his mistakes. But in all actuality, he's a rookie. It's just his second game. This is not a big deal. I agree. You know, I think, obviously, the interceptions were bad. You know, You don't like to see that, but at the same time, that offensive line isn't good. It hasn't shown the ability to be good. And this is Zach Wilson's second game against a pretty elite Patriots defense. You know, that defense is no joke. That secondary is strong. You know, you got J.C. Jackson, like you said. Gilmore didn't play, I believe. But still, not to mention, this defense is still strong. I'm not going to pounce on it too much because this is his second game. His first home game, I believe. So this is just the first, This is just a beginning. Jets fans shouldn't look at this as a Sam Darnold type of situation because like you said Zach made some great throws like the one that Brax he made some very special throws some throws that a lot of QBs can't make but at the same time this still is bad you know you still got to look at it and be like all right you know this is not good you don't want to see this although he is a rookie some of those throws he didn't have to make you know and like you said when he threw it to Corey Davis an elite receiver shouldn't catch that 
you should know as a quarterback that that's not an elite receiver. You shouldn't make that throw. You know, there's there's other ways that you can figure that out. But at the same time, he's a rookie. He'll get over it. So I'm not. Denzel really, Mims would have made that catch. You called him a bust. He, he's the fifth receiver on the depth chart. But in terms of a contested, well, he's six four. In terms of a contested catch receiver, yeah. Denzel Mims would make that catch. Well, Corey, this is like a slot. No, he's not. Yes, he is. He's not a slot. He's not a a jump. He's not a guy who you could throw it up and tell him go jump and get it. At times, you can. I mean, J.C. Yeah. Jackson is one of the better corners in the NFL. So. You think Denzel was getting that? Denzel Mims is getting that. He, I've seen him uh, get that. He's the, I've seen him get that. He's the fifth receiver on the depth chart for a reason. And, and you talked about, I mean, no. He, he's a fifth receiver because Keelan Cole beat him out. And then Jeff Smith and Ooh. Braxton Berrios is a better slot. And then Jeff Smith is a better gunner on special teams. And that's what they've said to the media. But you, you said it. They face an elite defense in the Patriots. The Panthers are an elite defense so far. They are the number one ranked defense in the NFL so far. Then he faces the Broncos this weekend. You know, so Wilson has faced three back-to-back-to-back great defenses. Well, we'll see against Denver. Trevor Lawrence hasn't. He's faced Houston. What what about Justin Fields? He faced Cincinnati. And Mac Jones facing Miami. Yeah, they forced turnovers, but in terms of giving up yards, they give up yards. You know, so Zach Wilson has faced tough defenses. A breakout game is not far away. You know, we, we're going to face Atlanta and London. We're going to face Tennessee at home soon. So it, a breakout game from Zach Wilson is coming up soon, and people better be ready because <laughs> I'm not out on Zach Wilson at all. He is still going to be the best quarterback in this draft class. I'm not worried. And this is another point. Justin Fields has Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Bill Lazor, and John Filippo. He has two veteran quarterbacks and two good quarterback coaches to learn from. Trey Lance has Kyle Shanahan, and that's honestly all he needs. Jimmy G is just the cherry on top veteran to learn from. Mac Jones has Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, and Brian Hoyer, who has been in that offense forever. Trevor Lawrence, he's in the same boat as Zach Wilson. They don't have much. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has who? Daryl Bevel? Uh, Urban Meyer, a rookie head coach, and C.J. Beathard is is his backup quarterback. C.J. Beathard at least has some experience starting, though. Zach Wilson has a defensive head coach. He has a rookie offensive coordinator, and he has no backup quarterback that has ever played a snap in a regular season game. Mike White has never played in a regular season game. Zach Wilson is learning on the fly. When he throws an interception, when he makes a bad read, he doesn't have a veteran quarterback telling him, okay, this is what you missed. He has to learn it on his own, on the fly. These other quarterbacks don't have to do that. So Zach Wilson is in the worst position of all these quarterbacks, of all of them, but he's still going to come out on top eventually. And I believe it. You know, He has the talent to do it, and I think this is just a part of his story. Did you think he was in the worst situation pre-regular season? Yeah. Uh, number one for me, the, the best situation ranking them. Oh, uh, yeah, we uh, Niners. I thought yeah. it was, well, I thought it was Niners or Patriots, so I thought it was Mac or Either Trey. One or two of those. For me, it was between Zach and Lawrence, the worst situations. It was between, it was between them two okay. that I thought they had the worst situations. And Lawrence, you know, isn't playing too good either right now, so. You know, that's what I'm saying. You know, 
with rookie quarterbacks, we have to be patient. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. I think Zach Wilson is still going to be great. He's shown flashes of that, and this is not the first time that he has seen adversity. At BYU, he was almost not named starter. He had a fight for his job, and he won that. He got booed at BYU too. So th- this is not new to Zach. He's faced adversity before, and I want to push back on his narrative. Because Zach Wilson had a bad game, yep. because he threw four interceptions, everybody is saying they should have never gotten rid of Sam Darnold. Wow, the Jets are so dumb for doing that. The Jets got rid of Sam Darnold because they didn't want to pick up his fifth-year option, and they wanted to start over with a quarterback on a rookie deal. And Zach Wilson is also more talented than Sam Darnold. Why is nobody mentioning the fact that the Panthers got rid of Teddy Bridgewater for Sam Darnold? And right now, Teddy Bridgewater is 2-0 with the Broncos, Mm -hmm. and he looks better than Sam Darnold so far. Everybody wants to mention the mistake the Jets made. Why is nobody mentioning the mistake that the that the Panthers possibly made by letting go of Teddy and picking up Sam? I think they're doing that because Carolina's still two and zero. So it's like, yeah, we gave up Teddy, but we're still, you know, two and zero. Obviously, down the season, you could figure it out and you could be more. But you know, I think the narrative should be dead in general because, like you said, Zach is far more talented, and they wanted to start over on a rookie deal. They didn't want to pay Sam Darnold because he didn't earn that contract. So obviously. The narrative should be dead. But that's just people trying to, you know, jump on and make this astounding, stupid narrative to just push down on Zach Wilson when he's a rookie. This is his second game. Yeah, I think it's a stupid narrative in general because it's two different situations. I mean, the Jets have a completely different coaching staff. I think Zach could do the same thing Donald was doing if he was in Carolina, honestly. I think he could do the same thing. Yeah, I think it probably it, it would be better. It would be more explosive. Yeah, I think honestly, do the same thing. they're not asking Sam to do much in Carolina. They're asking him to read to quick, just be a good quarterback. Not even. I mean, they're just asking him to make short reads. They're not asking him to think too much on offense. Yep. And that's why he's playing great. When he when we later on in the season when we see Sam in situations where he has to think more, Can't pick back. we're gonna see how he really looks. I mean, right now it's against the Jets and then against the Saints who had seven starters missing on defense. So I, I don't think it's too too much to be impressed about. But I think the narrative in general is pretty short sighted and it's dumb. But that's just something that I've seen before. And another narrative I've seen is that the Jets are somehow this dumpster fire. I mean. As an organization, it's history. Yes, they are. But we have a new coaching staff. We have new people in the building. This isn't the same old Jets. Zach Wilson throwing four interceptions has nothing to do with the Jets as an organization or play calling or offensive line or receivers. The offensive line actually graded really well against the Patriots. Zach Wilson... Just threw bad balls. It's, it is what it is. I mean, okay. one of them, Corey Davis, should have caught. But three of them, you three of his interceptions, it's just he should have never thrown them. I and mean, now it's on him. So that's why I think this narrative about, oh, Zach Wilson, the Jets are ruining him already. I mean, that's dead. Zach Wilson was bad. He has to get better. Yep. Don't blame the organization for a quarterback's bad mistakes in a game. It's just ridiculous to me in general that that uh, comparison. A rookie quarterback that is making his first start this Sunday is Justin Fields. Justin Fields is starting against the Cleveland Browns. And against Cincinnati, he played because Dalton went out. 
He completed 46% of his passes. He had 60 yards passing. He had an interception. He also fumbled but recovered that fumble, something that Carolina fans wish Cam Newton would have done in the Super Bowl against the Broncos. But Justin Fields had a 40-yard touchdown drop by Allen Robinson. A lot of receivers dropped passes from him as well. So the stats don't tell the complete story. But how do you think Justin Fields will do against Cleveland in his first start? Ah, the bias in me wants him to go out there, guns blazing, and play amazing. But looking at Cleveland, the defense hasn't played as well as it should be playing, but that's still, the names are still out there. They still have a really good defense. Miles Garrett is, I believe, is going to feast on that offensive line. They still got Denzel Ward out there. They still got young corners. It's it's going to be a tough outing. And I think, you know, with the receivers dropping those passes, you know, he has to just get that chemistry in play. But I think Justin Fields is going to play all right. You know, I don't think the Bears are going to win that game. But, you know, having an, having an elite receiver always makes things comfortable for you. And David Montgomery is not a bad running back either. So having those guys in your pocket and Terry Cohen, who, you know, you could dink and dunk it to him. So it's always comfortable to have that Darnell Mooney's out there. So he has a solid, he has solid weapons. So I think he'll be okay. It's just if the receivers can catch the ball and if he can make some solid reads, that interception, it wasn't a good interception, but I'm looking for him to be a little bit more comfortable. You know, I don't think he was expected to play that week. He was kind of like, nervous because you know that's his first time playing but i think this week he'll be a little bit more prepared get ready for justin fields overreactions after this game (laughs) because you know you believe in cleveland as a defense i personally don't i I think their pass rush is okay you know with garrett and jackson and you know davion Clowney. but like i mentioned earlier they, they have the 23rd pass defense the ninth best run defense and the and the twenty second best defense in terms of points allowed. Their defense is not good. If the if the uh, Browns can neutralize the Bears' running game, all that's going to do is force Fields to pass, which I think a lot of Bears fans want him to do. They want to see how good this guy is, and Justin Fields is going to play really well. I think he's going to play really well. He has Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet. You mentioned receivers and the running backs he has. He has a plethora of weapons. Cincinnati and Cleveland are not too far off in terms of how, you know, where they rank defensively. They're not too far off. Cincinnati has a sneaky, good defense. Justin Fields is going to have a great game. You know, if I were if I were to project stats, I think he goes 230 for two touchdowns. Mm. I think he, he does that. And it's going to be really hard for Matt Nagy to bench him after this. But let's just say hypothetically, Justin Fields does bad. He has the perfect excuse to bench him after this because you just say Andy Dalton was hurt, but he's our starter now. And then, you know, he plays. And I don't like what they're doing with Fields because I do think that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are just trying to save face and save their jobs for next year. Me too. That's why I think they're not playing Fields. That's what I believe right now. Because if they played Fields and he doesn't play up to his standards or he plays well, it gives the Bears front office more of a reason to get rid of this new coaching staff to bring in other people to develop Fields better. But if it, you know if you don't play Fields at all, you can just say we're developing him. Now the front office doesn't want to fire you because they don't want to ruin his development. So it's a it's a tricky situation. But I do think Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are trying to save face, and I think. Chicago right now is tired of them 
running that organization. They should be gone. I'm not high on Matt Nagy at all. But I do think Justin Fields is going to have a really good game against Cleveland. Do you expect the Bears win? See, that's tough. It, it depends because, you know, Baker Mayfield, do I trust Baker to light up that Bears defense? I don't. That running game can, though. It, it, it really is about the, de- the Cleveland's defense, yep. right? Because you think they're going to do good. I think they're going to do bad. If they do good, they should easily win this game. They should dominate them. They should, but I don't think they're going to do good. I love the free agent signings they made, but it just goes to show Troy Hill and John Johnson outside of Brandon Staley's scheme don't look so promising. Yeah. You know, so, and even out, Denzel Ward is a great corner, but outside of him, Greedy Williams, unproven, you know, so Greg Newsom. They, they don't, they don't have much guys to really, you know, much guys in the secondary to really match up with what the Bears have because I think Darnell Mooney is a good receiver. I think Allen Robinson, if you if you move him around and you motion him away from Denzel Ward, can have a really spectacular game. So it really just depends on what you think Cleveland's defense is. I don't think they're very good, so I think Fields is going to have a great game. Yeah, I mean, I think they should. You know, you look at the you look at the defense on paper; it looks great. You know, they should be better than what they are. You know, I'm not gonna. Hold fault for them against that Chiefs game because in the first half that defense played elite and second half they choked. But that game against Houston, I'm going to hold that again because they let that game be too close. They should have dominated defensively and offensively. They let that game be too close for too long. And now this game, you're playing a rookie who basically he hasn't really played meaningful snaps yet in the NFL. I mean, he had those 11 attempts, but that was because Andy Dawn got hurt. He shouldn't really even be playing right now. So you're playing a rookie playing Allen Robinson, playing an elite receiver. You have an elite corner to match up with him, and you're playing a pretty bad offensive line. So I think this should be a dominant defensive effort. I, I, should, I shouldn't expect nothing less. Yeah, I agree. Cleveland, coming into the season, was projected to be a Super Bowl contending team. They haven't looked like that. Yeah, their defense hasn't looked good, and Baker Mayfield is what he is. So, you know, that's holding them back. But I, like I said before, I do think Fields is going to have a great game. We're just going to see what happens. You know, I, I do think we're going to see a lot of Justin Fields overreactions after this first game. Oh, he's like a fan favorite. He everybody. is. He's, I think he's the he's the quarterback that has the most fans out of this draft class. There's no doubt about it. And I, I think it's because of QB1, yeah. the show on Netflix, because he was in it. Definitely. So. I, I, I said even I was a fan of him. I just liked him in Ohio State. He just looked nice. When Ohio State is a big school, yeah. you know, so... A lot of attention is on them. Hell yeah. And then when he beat Trevor Lawrence, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm on the wagon. So now to end off the show, we're going to end it off with NFL Pick'em Week 3. Week 2, NFL Pick'em, I went 10-6, and six, I believe. That's what I went on. I think I went 10-6. and six. But now it's on to NFL Pick'em Week 3, our Week 3 predictions. Comment down your predictions down below. And let's see, you know, who gets them right, who gets them wrong. So first game, Panthers versus Texans, Thursday night football, who wins? Uh, I'm going to take the Panthers. No Tyrod Taylor. They've looked really good with Tyrod Taylor. Honestly, Brandon Cooks has been balling. But I'm going to go with Carolina. They've beaten on bad teams for the most part, so they're going to win this one. Yeah, I, I'm taking Carolina. They have an elite defense so far. I don't think they face the best competition so far. But the Texans aren't great competition, so I think they're going to win this game easily on Thursday night and move to 3-0. and 
Chargers versus Chiefs. Like I said before, I'm, I'm I trust in Patrick Mahomes to figure it out. Last week, I feel like, like I said, they have a chip on their shoulder. They didn't like how they finished that game, so I think they're going to come in division game and they're going to win this one. The Chargers will get the upset in this game. I think they need this win more than the Chiefs because they have a tough stretch going forward. And Justin Herbert, so far in these two games on the stat sheet, yep. it doesn't look exceptional. I think this game, his stats are going to look exceptional against that Chiefs defense, which looks not so good right now. Next game, Cardinals versus Jaguars. Oh, this is an easy one. Arizona looks amazing, and I'm going to take them. They're gonna, they're probably going to put up 30-plus on Jacksonville easily. K1's going to continue to dominate. He's going to put on his MVP campaign, and he's going to get the W. Yeah, I got Arizona, too. I think this is a pretty easy pick. The Jaguars aren't a good team. Let's see how Trevor Lawrence does. Though. I think Jaguars fans just want to see Trevor Lawrence do good. Yep. And Arizona right now, they look like a legit team. They could move to 3-0 as well, and I think they will do that. I'm picking Arizona as well. The Bears versus Browns. I'm going to take the Browns. I like the, I, I like the matchup. The Browns have the better offense. They should have the better defense, and I think Baker gets this one. Even though I said Justin Fields will have a great game, I think the Browns will win this game still. I think Fields will play well, but the Browns are going to win. They just have too much talent top to bottom. Odell is making his return. It's going to be tough, though, against Jalen Johnson, who has been a lockdown corner this season. Let's see how Odell looks, but they got a lot of pieces. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Schwartz, you know, you got Najoku and Hooper. Austin Hooper, so they have some weapons in that running game we know is elite. It's top tier. So I have the Browns in this one, and this is going to be a great game, though. I think it is going to be a great game. I mean, they, the Browns were close with the Texans last week, yep. so I think the Bears can, can make this again. The next game, Washington versus Bills. I actually really like this game. Ah, this is this is a tough one because Washington's defense is elite. They haven't looked. They didn't look elite last week against New York, but – Against Buffalo, I feel like they have to play their best, but I think I'm going to take Buffalo. I think Josh, this is where Josh Allen starts his MVP tour and he starts to dominate. I think you're right. You know, I think the Bills will win this game. First two weeks, he hasn't looked so great. He hasn't looked like what he looked like last year in 2020. And Washington with Taylor Heineke shocked everybody. But the Giants right now, we're still in a wait and see period. Are the Giants legit? Are there, is their defense legit? Because they haven't looked too good so far. They're, they rank as one of the worst defenses in football. We know the Bills aren't that. Yeah. With Sean McDermott, that defense has been one of the top defenses the past couple of years. So this is a big test for Taylor Heineke. And I do think he comes back down to earth a little bit <laughs> against the Bills. Colts versus Titans. This game just depends on Wentz. If Wentz plays for me, like me personally, I'm going to take the Colts. I like that they started clicking late. They felt the energy. The defense started to feed off the offense against that, against the Rams. So if he does play, I feel like, like like you said with um Saint, uh, the Chargers, that they this is a must win for the Colts. This is a must win. They can't go 0-3. But if he doesn't play, I'm going to take the Titans. This is a must win game for the Colts, and you hit it right on the nail. If Carson Wentz plays... I have the Colts. If he doesn't play, I have the Titans. And Carson Wentz, he hasn't been bad so far. You know, (laughs) contrary to what you want to see on Twitter, Carson Wentz has been playing pretty well. So I think against Tennessee, who has one of the worst defenses in football right now, (laughs) 
they, they would they would win this game if Carson Wentz plays. But if he doesn't play, they don't have a chance. I, I would have the times if, if Wentz doesn't play. Next game, the Saints versus the Patriots. I like this game. You know, I, I just wish MT was playing. It would have made this cornerback-receiver matchup so much fun. But I think I'm going to go with New England. They're more disciplined right now. Jameis Winston's still trying to figure the offense out. And, you know, he's missing guys. New England, that defense is stout. Mac Jones, they have him, you know, playing really well. And that offense is pretty simple at the moment. So I'm going to go with them. After Winston threw five touchdowns in week one, he came back down to earth against Carolina, throwing two interceptions. And I think New England, their pass rush isn't as good as Carolina's. But their secondary is. And Jameis Winston getting confused on some looks not having a number one receiver, Bill Belichick coaching that defense. We could see Jameis Winston go even more down to earth and have like a two, three pick game. And now there would be panic in New Orleans about that. So I, I do think New England will, will win this game. And if Marshawn Lattimore doesn't play, that back end for the Saints is vulnerable. Yep. And I think this is a game that we could see Mac Jones be let loose and throw the ball down the field because that's been the criticism on him so far. I think it's unwarranted, but I think this could be the game where he has that big performance. Next game, Falcons versus Giants. Uh, I think the Giants get their first win this season. You know, Falcons, we put 35 on them. They just aren't good. You know, New York, and I was watching this video of New York and how Joe Judge, that offense, I think Kurt Warner, was. Uh, he's made the video how simple and boring and how bad this offense has been. They've been running a pretty repetitive offense, but I think against the Falcons, they can do that and still get the W. And I agree. I think the Giants' defense is going to look much better this game. Leonard Williams, I mean, 2020 had a great defensive season. So far has been nowhere to be seen <laughs> after getting a huge, humongous contract. And that was a knock on Leonard in, in New York with the Jets, is that he doesn't give all of his effort all the time. And now the Giants are seeing that right now. Their defense has come back down to earth even after adding talent on that defense. But Daniel Jones has not been bad this year. He nope. ranks as the sixth best quarterback according to PFF. He, even in his games, the box score, if you just look at the stats, his stats aren't bad. So he can have a big game against Atlanta and then, you know, the Giants can get their first one of the season. And I, I'm picking the Giants to win the first game. Yep. Next game, the Bengals versus Steelers. I think this is going to be a competitive game. You know, I like Cincinnati's defense. It has been sneaky good. Their offense has been just as good. It's an explosive offense. Jamar Chase has scored in back-to-back weeks, so that's a good sign for a rookie. Pittsburgh, they're banged up right now. You know, Big Ben, he he's probably going to play, but he's still hurt. He said he hasn't thrown a ball since that last game on Sunday. That defense, you don't know who's going to play. Joe Hayden's questionable. Devin Bush is questionable. TJ Watt is questionable. So I think I'm going to go with Cincinnati getting the upset. I think Pittsburgh would still be the favorites, but I like Joe Burrow in that offense. The Bengals versus the Bears, who were a legit defense. They didn't look too good. They couldn't move the ball down the field. Uh, late in the game, Joe Burrow threw two touchdowns, and that put them in position to you know tie the game or even win the game, but they didn't capitalize on it. I think the Steelers are a way better defense than Chicago, and we saw last year before Joe Burrow got hurt when he faced Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh wiped the floor with Cincinnati. I don't think Cincinnati got too much better to say they can hang with Pittsburgh. So I think the Steelers win this one pretty easily. Next game, the the Ravens versus Lions. 
Oh, yeah. The, Baltimore, I think this is a stat game for Baltimore. You know, I like to call it stat games, games where they just upload the stats. Lamar's going to have fun, do his thing. And that defense on Baltimore is going to get a big upgrade this week. Yeah, I have the Ravens. Not too much to explain about yeah. that. Next game, Jets versus Broncos. Oh, no no offense to you guys, but I got Denver. That defense is just too elite. I'm just interested this week to see how Zach plays against his defense, but I got Denver. I have Denver, but Zach Wilson is going to have a big-time game. Mm. He's going to have a big-time game uh-huh. against a defense who people say is a big-time defense. He's going to bounce back big-time. Is that a against fact? The, that, that is 100% <laughs> fact. Right. Going into New England, I was scared about mm. be, facing the Patriots. Denver, I don't feel that same anxiety towards the game. I think he's going to have a big-time game. Dolphins versus Raiders. Honestly, whether Tua played or not, I was going to take the Raiders. I just think they've been clicking on all cylinders. They got guys playing above what they usually are graded in the NFL. You know, they're playing for one another. Oh, excuse you. Darren Waller is a beast. Derek Carr has looked like one of the best QBs in the league so far. John Gruden looks amazing again. I'm going to go with Oakland. I think uh, Las Vegas, excuse me. I think they're going to get this W. If Tua plays or not, honestly. He said, excuse you. Didn't even say bless you. Oh, sorry. But I have the Raiders. <laughs> I, I think same thing. You know, Tua, I actually do think if Tua played, I would have thought differently about this game. The fact that Jacoby's playing, I think he's much worse than Tua. Yep. I think Tua's average, but Jacoby's just bottom of the barrel type of starting quarterback. Raiders going to win this game, and if they don't, I would be shocked. You never know. The Dolphins' defense could come up huge, but I got the Las Vegas Raiders. Buccaneers versus Rams. No A-B this week, so, you know, just Evans and Godwin. You know, Evans kind of picked it up last week, but against, in that first week against Dallas, he Evans ain't really looked good. A-B looked like the old A-B of old, but I'm going to go with Los Angeles. I think, you know, I, I like Matthew Stafford. I like Cooper Cup. They've looked amazing. Robert Woods. I don't think Carlton Davis is playing this week, too, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm going to go with the Rams. I like their offense. I like that defense. They have the best corner in the NFL. They have the best defensive lineman in the NFL. And I feel like this is the one team that can really challenge Tampa in the NFC. I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, this, I'm not thinking too much about it. Matthew Stafford didn't look great against the Colts. Yep. Now against the Buccaneers, how he's going to look, we're going to see. And even without A.B., Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski looks like a top tight end again in the NFL. Scotty Miller can't sleep on him. He's a very good receiver. I think Tampa wins this game and shows everybody why they should still be favorites to win it all. Seahawks versus Vikings. Oh, like I said before, I think the Vikings bounce back and get this W this week. I like the matchup. Their defense is really good on paper. That defensive, that front seven has been elite for the past two weeks, and I think they'll continue to be that. It's just if that secondary can hold up against those uh, wide receivers, but I think if the front seven puts that pain in like I know they can, then the Vikings are going to win this game. I think it's the Vikings game to win. You know, Seahawks, I like them as a team, but I just feel like the Vikings are desperate to win right now. That's why they're even playing Dalvin Cook and I think they'll get this win on Sunday. Then Sunday Night Football, Packers versus 49ers. The Niners have handed Aaron Rodgers the last two seasons, completely handed, but it hasn't been the same team. But that same defensive line is still there, and that's the thing that gives Green Bay troubles. 
Mostert is out, so that running game does kill Green Bay. But I think I'm going to go with the Niners. Uh, I think Jimmy G can get this win. I think that defense is still elite regardless of missing uh, Jason Verrett and missing a couple guys on offense. But I, I like them. I'm going to go with them. I'm going with the Packers. <clears throat> I understand the 49ers have, have had the Packers number, but Jimmy G has not thrown a pass over 10 yards this season, I believe. You know, he's not been lighting the world on fire. They almost lost to Detroit. Philadelphia gave them a game as well. You know, it was a tough game. The Packers are going to win this one. Aaron Rodgers is going to beat the, the 49ers. Then Monday Night Football, Eagles versus Cowboys, NFC East matchup. Who wins? <laughs> Damn, we got Dallas this fast. Monday Night. Brandon Graham is such a huge loss. He's the heart and soul of our defense. He's the heart and soul of our team, honestly. I think we're still – and Brandon Brooks is on IR too. Again, he's our best deep offensive lineman. I think those two losses are going to really show this Monday, and it's going to be huge. I'm going to pick Dallas just because of the fact that we're still trying to figure out how to replace Brandon Graham and Brandon Brooks. You know, I'm going with Dallas too, but I think it's going to be a much closer game than people think it's going to be. The Eagles are are, are a good team, and those tackles, Lane Johnson and, and Jordan Malata. Malata, the guy they paid, I know they paid him some big money. Yeah. They're going to hold up. And if they can keep Hurts clean, he's going to have a good game. Trayvon Diggs versus Devonta Smith. Let's see who wins that matchup. Jalen Rager was pretty good last week. He dropped it. I mean, a, a touchdown Quez. A touchdown got called back. Quest Watkins was good, too. You know, I think the Eagles are getting underrated. And the Cowboys, you know, that win against the Chargers wasn't inspiring. So I have the Cowboys in this game. But I think this game is going to be really close. And if the Eagles were to win... I wouldn't be surprised. Great. And that's going to do it for NFL Pick'em Week 3. Throw down your predictions down in the comment section down below. And let's see who you got for Week 3. And to end off the show, we are going to answer some questions. So these are weekly questions that were provided to us from our Patreon supporters. They are in, a, they are, they are in our Discord chat. So what we do is that when you subscribe to our Patreon or via YouTube, you come in our Discord chat and we format everything, uh, topic suggestions, questions, and each episode we are going to answer these questions. They are weekly questions, and it's going to be at the end of the show. We're going to answer them. So first question up. How many questions we got? Six. Oh, okay. So are what? They like quick, quick and rapid, or are we? It depends. Honestly, it's, it depends on what you want to say. Got it. You know, so this first question is for you. And oh. it's from Hikari. Oh. What NBA slash college team do you want to coach? Wait, wait. Oh, so these are like questions for like us personally? It, it's, it's personal questions. It's, oh. you know, sports questions. It could be okay. whatever. Dope, dope. Um, NBA or college. All right, I'll give you both. The college I would want to coach would be either Syracuse or St. John's. Those would be the two colleges I would want to coach. Syracuse, obviously, because... That's my favorite college in St. John's because I want to recruit in our area. I feel like we have a lot of unearthed talent in this area that could be playing Division One basketball, and we could get these guys off out the streets. You know, a lot of guys who play in high school end up going JUCO or prep and then come back here, and they just give up. I feel like I can change that if I went to St. John's. NBA, Golden State, of course. I would love to be the head coach of Golden State. If not Golden State, I probably want to be the head coach of a team that's never won a ring. I, I don't, so probably the Kings or Portland and them try to just bring that to the organization. 
So you want to get fired in your first year. <laughs> That's what you're telling me. Nah, I just try to build something, you know, try to be different and stuff. Don't hate. Don't don't do that. <laughs> if I was an if I was a, a coach, I would want to go to a better NBA team. For real? Yeah. I don't know. I want to start something different. I don't want to follow anybody. I want to be the best. So I'd start low. But if you go to a bad team, it's it's a bad team for a reason. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to fix that. I'm a fixer. I want to fix that. I feel like in, in coaching college is much easier to fix culture than NBA. There's too much variables in the NBA. It depends because if you're not a big blue, it's so hard to recruit. It's like extremely hard. That's why you got to get the low end talent and just build. Hold. Exactly. You guys built from the ground up. You stayed around New York and then you ended up getting Isaiah Whitehead. And he just changed the program. And then Miles Powell and then all that. So it's like, it's, if you're not a big blue, it's really hard. And Miles Powell was chubby. So <laughs> he wasn't even like a Briscoe yeah. recruit. Yeah. Yeah. But he had a better career than Briscoe. Yeah, Hell yeah. He was a beast. That's because Briscoe wanted to go to a big blue. Should have came to Syracuse. Or St. Hall. See? Or St. John's. See? And Corey Sanders went to Rutgers. Yeah, that was bad. Shamori Pons went to St. John's. He's from New York. And then um, Kemba, he went to UConn, changed the program there. So this is another question for you, Riv. Yeah. Well, it's not for you, but it's for you because I'm not going to answer it. Burner Hoops asked okay. this question. College players to look out for this season. I don't watch college basketball. That's why this okay. question is for you. So, which college basketball player should these guys look out for next season? Should Burner Hoops look out for next season? Should the fans pick a side look out for next season? Who do you got your eyes on? I got three. I'm going to give you Jaden Ivey from Purdue. He played in the USA team. Really good. Really athletic. He can play defense, obviously. And then Jalen Duran. He's going to Memphis. Imani Bates. Just the whole Memphis team. Of course, to look at because that that team getting Imani Bates, who's going to be playing point guard this year, is incredible. Jalen Duran, who's has a high motor, he's like just a better, a ten times better Montrez Harrell, like so much better at this young age. He's going to be huge. And then a third person, if I had to pick a third person, I'll probably pick Caleb Love out of UNC. I think his rookie year, not rookie, but his freshman year last year was kind of a bit underwhelming. But this year, he has the size, he has the frame, he has the handles, he has the jump shot. He just needs to put it all together, the IQ. But those are the Memphis, the whole team, Caleb Love out of UNC, and then Jaden Ivey out of Purdue. Those are the guys. So no Chet Holmgren, no Paolo Bonchero. Those are obvious ones. I wanted to give him some guys who people won't know. I'll give you one. Jared Roden. He goes to uh, Seton Hall. (laughs) (laughs) What is he, like a defender or something like that? Well, his first couple of seasons, he was a 3 and D wing. Yeah. When Powell left, he had to become much more of an offensive initiator and creator. He averaged about like 15, 16 last mm-hmm. year. And now with Mamu and Powell not there, he has to be the best player on the team. Is Bryce still there? Bryce Aiken? No, nah, he's no. not there. Yes. Shavar Reynolds isn't there either. So they all left. So we'll see how good they are this yeah. year. Yeah. It's going to be tough. So... The third question is from MH Friends, mm-hmm. the Cleveland Browns fan in the, in the in the Discord chat. Shout out to you. And this question is, how long does a championship high last? And what he means by that is that, you know, for example, 2019, the Raptors won the championship. Their fans and that organization can live off of that championship for years, for 10 years even, for maybe even more. But... For an organization like the Lakers, they have to win 
soon. It has to be soon for the Kansas City Chiefs. They're expected to win every single year. So that one championship just isn't good enough for them. So how long does a championship high last for teams? I think you kind of answered it. It depends on the organization, but it also depends on the situation. I feel like if Kawhi would have stayed, they would have expected more championships. Same with L.A. They're known to win championships. Boston is known to win championships. But I feel like if I had to really base it off, I think a championship is your lifetime. You know, whatever you've seen, that's how high it is because you there are not a lot of people get that feeling. You know, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan and I have not seen a championship in my lifetime. I'm 23 years old and there's going to be Chicago Bulls fan before 1991 who didn't see a championship. And then after 1998, who didn't see a championship. So it's like it really just whatever you've seen in your lifetime, I feel like you can ride that high for a while because the championship is hard to win. I think that it does depend on the team. Like, for example, if the Jets win a championship, mm-hmm. you know, even if they just win one, I can live off that forever. That's me, Philly. You know, I would still want them to be good, but I can say I saw them win a championship and I'm okay with that. Yep. You know, but I guess for other teams, it'd be different. Like for the Patriots, they're expected to win every year. You know, at, Tom Brady leaving, you know, obviously has yep. diminished expectations, but they were expected to win every year. But, I think you're right. I did answer the question in the way that it does vary from team to team. You know, I would say low market organizations can live off that high far longer than big market ones because the LA's and New York's, they're they're all expected to win all the time. Even the big markets, though, there's only two teams that have won consistently every decade, every other year, and that's LA and Boston, you know. I think what the next three or four teams is us, Chicago, and the San Antonio Spurs, and we've won in certain parts of the NBA lifespan. You know, so it's it really it depends, but it also depends on your lifetime. Because in the '80s, Bulls fans wasn't we expect the chip, we expect the chip. Even now, we don't expect the chip, expect the chip. But it was in the '90s, it was like we can't live off this because we expect other chips. So I guess it just depends on the era of the basketball you live in, and then of course your team. And next question is from Jay Aqua. Thoughts on the Ben Simmons situation and how much is Philly going to drop off? <sighs> the Ben Simmons situation is just a lot of diva stuff. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of coaches not believing in you. It's a, not, it's a lot of you doing it to yourself and not taking ownership, not taking blame. He Ben Simmons is the reason for Philly, not the reason, but one of the main reasons for Philly blundering that lead against Atlanta. He has yet to take responsibility. His coach blatantly came out in a post game and said, I don't know if this is a guy that we can win a championship with. When a coach says that, he has completely lost trust in you. But I also think Philly's going to drop off without Ben Simmons if they don't get another guy in to fill that role because defensively he's one of their best guys. He's one of their best playmakers. And he's just one of those guys that, you know, he did. A, he was like a jack of all trades. He did a little bit of everything for that Philly team. And you need a guy like that or somebody to replicate that. And losing him just for absolutely nothing is going to drop Philly to about fifth or sixth seed in the NBA. Yeah, I think that, let's say Ben Simmons gets traded for John Wall. You know, I think John Wall, considering his health, mm-hmm. they'll probably be a, a six-seeded team in the Eastern Conference. And even if you account for Joel Embiid's health, if yep. both of them are injured, if Embiid gets hurt, now we're talking about a team that can't, that could miss the playoffs without Ben Simmons, you know, which would be huge. And my overall thoughts on the Ben Simmons situation, I actually had a weird dream about Ben Simmons the other day. 
that I'm not going to share because I think it's a little bit too it's a, it's it's too grotesque. Yeah. But it gave me perspective on how fans and the media treat these players and how mental health could be a serious thing because just to give you a sneak peek of what happened in my dream without, you know, saying it or blurting blurting it out, you know, all the scrutiny Ben Simmons is facing right now. You know, what if something were to happen to Ben Simmons? Yep. You know, everybody would would feel bad about what happened because they contributed to what was being said. You know, so I think right now we are in an era where we don't treat these athletes like humans. And even though Ben Simmons has not lived up to expectations, he has acted like a diva. I still think there is a line that can't be crossed that far too many people in the media that, you know, have big platforms uh, cross and even people on the internet cross. And I think there is a fine line because at the end of the day, it is basketball. Like, yeah, you're, it's your team and it's the NBA and they make a lot of money, but it is basketball. Like, it, honestly, it's not too Keep much strictly of that. basketball. Yeah, like it is basketball, so it shouldn't be too serious. But I, I just think it's an unfortunate, unfortunate situation because Ben Simmons was supposed to be a part of Philly's plans long term. And it's obviously not going to happen. He said he's not going to report to training camp. Doc Rivers came out and said that he wants him to be there and he, he's, he's trying to try, convince yep. him. But Doc Rivers looks like a fool <laughs> because Doc Rivers is the same guy who, after they lost in the playoffs, was asked, can you win a championship with Ben Simmons as your point guard? And Doc Rivers said, I don't know the answer to that. Now you're coming out and you're saying, we can win a championship with Ben Simmons. Now you're backtracking on on everything yep. you said just to suck up to Ben Simmons so he can come back to Philly. Now we're seeing how desperate Philly is to not lose Ben Simmons because this is the worst his trade value is going to be ever. Yep. And if I'm Ben Simmons, I don't want to come back. You know, I don't I don't have anything against Ben Simmons for not wanting to come back. The fan base has trashed me. My coach has trashed me. The organization is, has made it known how they feel about me. Why would I want to come back to that? You know, forget about trying to prove the fan base wrong and trying to take accountability. I want to be where I'm wanted. And Philadelphia, they say their fans are passionate and, oh, they have so much love for the team. They are one of the most toxic fan bases in the NBA. Yep. You know, no player wants to deal with that. You know, so forget about all that trying to prove their fans wrong because you guys have made it so Ben Simmons doesn't want to play there anymore. And has Ben Simmons contributed to that? No doubt about it. But have Philly fans made it far worse? Absolutely. So, you know, and Rich Paul even said he wants Ben Simmons to have his own team. So oh, wow. he, he wants Ben Simmons to be in a position like a Houston where you can go five out, where you well, four out, and you can go with C. Wood and KPJ and Jalen Green. So basically Green. Sacramento and Houston are on the table. Probably the state is off the table. You know, I think Minnesota else. would be great too with D'Lo and Edwards and Cat. That would be great too. I agree with everything you said. Uh, find, be happy. And he doesn't look like he's happy in Philly. At the end of the day, he's still a human being. He still has feelings. I feel like if you keep it strictly basketball, then it should be no issue. But people have stepping out of line. And now this is a question for me. Uh, it's from Saucy. <laughs> uh, college quarterback prospects, twenty twenty two. Um. So 
I haven't cultivated a list of who I think is the best or because, you know, I, I don't get into scouting until after the football season is over. But Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati looks really good. He has a live and active arm. I haven't seen too much of him, but he looks like the real deal. Spencer Rattler, I don't like him. You know, I'll just flat out say it. You know, I watched him on QB1, the show, and maybe it's because they did a poor job of portraying who he is as a person. But watching that show, I got the sense that he's a cocky, arrogant person, and I just didn't vibe with his vibe. And because of that, he can have the most talent, all of this other stuff, but just him, his personality, I don't know if that's going to succeed in the NFL. I could be totally wrong about him. But even in college, he makes a lot of boneheaded decisions. And I've seen a lot of interceptions that are just like, what are you doing? So I'm not too high on Spencer Rattler. Sam Howell, you know, so far doesn't look the best, but you got to understand he lost Dami Brown. He lost Daz Newsome. He lost Javante Williams and Michael Carter. I mean, he, he has no talent around him right now. NC is taking a big drop off, but I think Sam Howell is an okay quarterback. Maybe he's getting a bit overrated, but I think overall he's an okay quarterback. Malik Wills, haven't seen too much of him from Liberty. Uh, he has an explosive arm as well, but I haven't seen too much. Matt Coral out of Ole Miss. Mm. Daniel Jeremiah, I've heard him talk about Matt Coral and how he he has his arm reminds him of Zach Wilson and these other you know great quarterbacks that have great arms. Matt Coral this year has gotten off to a hot start, but last year he had one game where he threw five interceptions and another one where he threw six. So I'm going to have to watch the film for myself and see how good this Matt Coral guy is. Then you got Carson Strong out of Nevada. And see, he seems like he's flying up radars right now. I haven't seen too much, but I'm definitely going to get in tune with him. But the quarterbacks I'm not high on, De'Eric King out of Miami. I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. I think he's a good college quarterback, but not in the NFL. Brock Purdy, not sold on him whatsoever. And and Jaden Daniels out of Arizona State. JT? Yeah, Jaden Daniels. No, oh. not, not JT Barrett. <clears throat> Jaden Daniels, freshman season as a true freshman was phenomenal. But he dropped off his sophomore year. And right now, I, I watched him against... I forgot the team I watched him against, but I just watched him play this Saturday against BYU. Oh, okay. They faced BYU... Jaden Daniels didn't look too impressive. I think he's a bit too slender right now for my taste. I think he has to think, thicken up a bit and get more strength. So, you know, Jaden Daniels, I think he could be good, but right now I'm not too sold on him. So that's what I think about these college quarterback prospects right now. What about Bryce Young? Oh, he's – I don't think he's going to be in the draft. No, I just wanted to know what your thoughts on him. I mean, Bryce Young looks good. I mean, I, have, I haven't seen too much of him either, but, you know, guy. he looks good right now. Dude is a beast. So this is going to do it for this episode of the Pigside Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. On Twitter, it's Pigside Pod. On Instagram, it's Pigside Podcast. On TikTok, it's at Pigside Podcast. And if you guys want to be in our Discord and ask us these weekly questions and suggest us topics and also get access to our exclusive episodes, uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon or via YouTube membership. And we'd happy we'd be happy to have you guys along for the journey. We are at 17 Patreons right now. So that means a lot to us that you guys are supporting us like you do. You know, eventually you want this to become a full-time thing and we want this to, you know, materialize into something more than just a part-time thing. And you guys are helping us do that in many ways and supporting us on YouTube 
or you know patreon whatever you guys are doing spotify apple Podcasts, streaming platforms it means a lot to us so thank you and that's going to do it for episode 100, 114 and we'll see you next time